Oh boy, what a weekend for the Tar Heels. First on Saturday, RJ Davis announced his return, and then on Sunday, there were some nervous moments in Tar Heel land, but Caleb Love did the exact same. We had the Iron Five, now we got the Core Four. Folks, Hubert Davis is a magician. The Tar Heels are back, and they are loaded. <laughs> What do these decisions mean for the rest of the roster? And what are the expectations we should have for the upcoming 2022-23 season? We're going to unpack all of that on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, April 25th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Shea, beat writer for Sports Illustrated's All Tar Heels website. And I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every single day. Please remember that we are free and available everywhere you get podcasts, so go and subscribe right now. Also, to those of you watching on YouTube, welcome. Thanks for making this your first watch every day. Why don't you like and subscribe, go ahead and ring that bell, do it, make it happen, and let's get going. Right on in to talking about RJ Davis and Caleb Love coming back. Folks, I was ready to sing, you know, the, the song, all you need. We can't do that, though. We can't talk about all you need is love, because then we're going to get sued and have to pay a bunch of money, and we don't need all that. But you just, you just sing it in your head while I'm talking, and we'll be in a good place. Here, here's my favorite thing about all this. I, I have been hoping these dudes would both come back for a long time. Yes, because of the basketball and it's going to be incredible, but here's why. You got RJ Davis, you got Caleb Love, and they're coming back for their third year. Now, for those of you who are a little bit younger, you might not be aware of this, but one of the best golfers of all time is a guy named Davis Love the third, And Little little insider knowledge, he's a Tar Heel. That's right, Davis Love III, one of the greatest golfers of all time is a Tar Heel. And we've got Davis, and we've got Love. That's your backcourt, and it's round three for that backcourt. So what is this whole year going to be for me? Hashtag Davis Love III. We're going to confuse the heck out of that dude as to why everyone is tagging him in all these basketball posts, and it's going to be incredible. So if you're listening out there, help me. Let's make this happen. Hashtag Davis Love the Third, and just do three Roman numerals, and it's going to be fantastic. Seriously, let, let's talk about these guys coming back. The, the prevailing knowledge, the, the thing that everyone thought is that R.J. Davis would, would pretty inevitably be back for his junior year. Uh, he's smaller, just doesn't have um, yet that prototypical thing that the NBA is looking for, which is size. And I say yet, but it's it's not something he can just sprout up a couple inches. Maybe he could, but uh, typically that's not going to happen. Now, there are certainly guards that are smaller like that that have done well in the NBA, but it's not the prototypical guard that they are looking for. Caleb Love, on the other hand, has a little bit more size and is that style, but just like RJ, like RJ's really, frankly, not showing up um, in mock drafts anywhere. And Love, um, as we've talked about on the show, is, but 
is kind of a fringe first rounder, if that, you know, often is in second rounds. And, and so I think it's a wise decision for him to come back as well, both of these guys. Because think about the history of some of Carolina's guards that have come back the junior years that they've had. Ed Coda did okay. <laughs> Raymond Felton, 2005 National Championship, his junior season. Ty Lawson, 2009 National Championship, his junior season. Marcus Page had a phenomenal junior year. You might recall his senior year was the year they lost to Villanova. Started that year, hurt a little bit, and just never really got on track. But man, let's go with that. And then Joel Berry, junior year? Yeah, that was another national championship. So, uh, 05 national championship, 09 national championship, 17 national championship, all courtesy of a junior guard leading the way. And what do you need in March? You need that lead guard leading the way. Here's the thing about this team. It's not just Caleb Love. It's not just RJ Davis. You have dueling junior guards running your backcourt for one of the greatest three-point shooters in NBA history in Hubert Davis. Yeah, good things are afoot. It's the entirety of this backcourt. Now, as we look at... These two, one of the things that I love that happened last year, love that happened, see what I did there? Didn't even mean to, is as we got into it, there was all this wondering of who's who's the point guard, who's the shooting guard, and it's kind of nice because it, it kind of flows a little bit in between and they can cycle in and out of what that is, but at the same time, last year began to become a lot more defined as the year went on, you know, obviously... Either of them will bring the ball up at various times, but more often than not, R.J. Davis is your one. He is your point guard. Caleb Love is your two. He's your shooting guard. And, and we saw that as that came to more fruition, as that came to more specific definition of those two roles, that's when things really began to take off and flourish. We saw just this devastating pick and roll game that RJ Davis and Armando Baycott developed, which we're going to see a whole another year of. That's phenomenal. And so we get all of that. Um, keep in mind, it wasn't just last year. Davis and Love started together a, a lot of the beginning of their freshman year until Kerwin Walton came in and took RJ Davis's place. And we'll talk more about that in our next segment. And so Coming back for their junior year, I feel like we're going to have even more role definition. And we've talked about, and I firmly believe, that role definition and role buy-in is what helps teams succeed, particularly at the college level. And so the more these two guys can realize, here's who I am, here's what I do well, here's who I am, here's what I do well, that's huge. Here's some other things that I uh, love to see. In the tournament, both both Davis and Love were really getting downhill better, meaning north and south, getting to the rim, attacking, and not only that, but finishing. I mean, it, it's one thing to get to the rim. It's another thing to finish there. And sure, RJ might be a little undersized, but do you see the rate at which he's finishing at the rim? Think about the, the and one that he had against Baylor in the second round of the NCAA tournament. It's just ridiculous what he's doing there, and so that's great. Uh, we think more about this development. They get another more real summer in Chapel Hill this year. We, you know, the summer um, 
coming into their freshman year was not that because it was all the COVID everything. Even last year was just a little bit weird and odd and murky. Coming into their junior year, they're going to have a real legit summer as much as is possible. It seems like, right? Who knows what could happen with the pandemic springing back up, but I don't think it will. And so really think there's just going to be another level of development that happens heading into next season, another summer with Jonas in the weight room. All of that is great. And you know that they're going to be locked in, right? Um, RJ, again, it seems like was pretty inevitably coming back, but for Caleb um, and then the two of them together, it's like if we're back and we're doing this, we're all in and we're all aboard what's happening here. We know even more now what Coach Davis expects for us, from us and for us, because we've had a year uh, leading the team for him. And now we really get that more and we can really dial into what that is. And it also helps these younger guards. And, and that's huge with Seth Trimble coming in and, and everything they can teach him. Speaking of Hubert Davis, man, what, what does the return of these guys say about who he is as a coach and everything he's doing. Not just the return of these two guys, but the return of Leaky Black, the return of Armando Baycott, the fact that as of yet, there haven't been more transfers than Dawson Garcia and Anthony Harris. Again, as of yet, we've still got another week before transfer portal stuff. Uh, there, there's a deadline for that next weekend. So I think this is speaks volumes about not just Hubert Davis, but the entire coaching staff. So well done. Kudos to you guys. Also a reminder, NIL certainly plays a factor in this, um, particularly for Love. I, I think you see the amount of of money he stands to be able to make off his name, image, and likeness this year. And, and that's really hard uh, to turn your nose at, to turn up and leave behind with uh, unknown things ahead of him at the professional level. Uh, we think he's going to get there, and especially with a strong junior year, who knows? I mean, he it's probably going to be he and Baycott splitting ACC preseason player of the year votes. Probably both of them are on that first team. Um, but... Caleb has has a lot of expectation coming in to this year. Uh, just in terms of something to be on the lookout for, they're both going to cross um, into the 1,000-point club. Carolina already has the most players of any school in the 1,000-point club, and they're going to add these two more next year. If Leakey takes on more of a scoring role, he could get there, but I, I doubt he will. But um, Caleb Lee just needs 74 points to get to 1,000, and RJ just needs 228, um, which both of them should blow through that pretty easily and pretty quickly. So RJ Davis is back. Caleb Love is back. They're joining Leaky Black and Armando Baycott, who have already announced their intention to be back. There's a lot we got to talk about with this. We're going to do it all offseason. What, what exactly does the return of the backcourt mean for the rest of the team? How do these decisions affect the roster, affect playing time? Statistically, what are the what are the Tar Heels bringing back in total? I'm going to make you wait, but I'm going to share those numbers with you in just a moment, right after I tell you about Built Bar. Built Bars are great candy bar replacement options covered in 100% real chocolate. Some of the great flavors right now include mint brownie, and new right now, the mint puffs are back. The, the puff marshmallows, boy, oh boy, you can tell I really love mint stuff, by the way. And I was just scrolling through their site earlier, and I saw that blueberry muffin flavor is on sale. I'm on keto right now, and so anything muffin, period, just sounds awesome to me, so give me all that. 
These flavors are, are delicious, and Built Bar is coming out with new flavors all the time. And that's what they do at Built. They're all about the taste. They go back later and figure out how to make it healthy for you. And I don't know how they do it, but they always pull it off. So go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You're going to be blown away at what you see. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb numbers. Let me get more specific with you. Just 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, just four net carbs, and yet up to 17 grams of protein. You compare that to a regular candy bar where all those numbers are exponentially bigger and you know which choice you need to make. So go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's 15% off at built.com with promo code LOCKED15. Let me also tell you about Athletic Greens. This is a product I know a ton of people who use every single day. And I'd like to try it myself. I haven't had an opportunity yet because I'm looking for better gut health and more energy. And I hate trying to remember to take pills every single day. Because what is Athletic Greens? Well, just one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens and you're absorbing up to 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and more to help you start your day the right way. Something I love is that Athletic Greens is lifestyle-friendly regardless of your diet. I just mentioned I'm on keto right now. It works with that paleo, vegan, anything at all it works with all these diets. Best news is it costs less than $3 a day. And so that's an opportunity for you to invest in your health and cheaper than your coffee habit probably is. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially here in the, the season where people are getting sick all the time. Again, just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a whole bunch of pills and supplements. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash college. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash college to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So we're going to get into talking now about the ramifications of Love and Davis coming back and what that means more now for the team as a whole as we spread out to look at everyone, including obviously Leaky Black and Armando Baycott coming back. But I want to quickly remind you before we get into talking about that, that the NFL draft is coming up. It starts this Thursday, just a few days away. And for the first time, Locked On is hosting a live coverage of the draft from our studios in Dallas with pick-by-pick -pick analysis from our local team experts and gurus. Tune in all three days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, as our draft team guides you through every pick and every trade in real time. It all starts this Thursday, April 28th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. It's available on Locked On NFL's channel, on YouTube, and on the Odyssey app. Make sure to tune in. So, what exactly is coming back for the Tar Heels? Well, as we said, you lose Dawson Garcia, transferred out. Anthony Harris, transferred out. Brady Manick, unfortunately, is gone. Takes a lot of um, statistical value with him and a lot of um, team-based value in terms of who he is as a teammate. And then, obviously, Ryan McAdoo graduates and will be gone, too. Outside of that, though, unless we hear more about a transfer in the coming week, which who knows at this point, um, and we'll talk more about that. But here, at, as of right now, with everyone that's coming back, here's what the Tar Heels are bringing back percentage-wise. 
74.7% of their scoring, 77.6% of rebounds, 84.3% of assists. Yes, 84% of the assists are coming back. 74.1% of made field goals, 82.4% of made free throws. The lowest of these numbers, 65.5% of made threes. That's because Manic went wacky this year. Uh, 79% of blocks are coming back, and 83.6% of the steals are coming back. So out of all those stats I just read, team scoring, team rebounds, assists, made field goals, made free throws, made threes, blocks, and steals, other than made threes, Carolina is bringing back at least 74% of every other one of those categories. Now, a lot of that is obviously attributed to a year in which you utilize a short bench and the majority of those that did get playing time are coming back outside of Manic and Garcia when he was still playing, and Anthony Harris when he was still playing, although a much smaller sample size. So th- th- there's obviously a little bit of some nuance and context there that we need to give when looking at those numbers. But oh my goodness, to bring back 74% or more of all of that is huge, particularly in this day and age. So the Tar Heels are bringing back four starters. You you assume, unless something just weird happens or injuries, that all four of them will start again, plus somebody else at the four. Last time Carolina brought back four starters, any guesses? It's been within the past decade, I'll tell you that. Give you a little second more to guess. It was in 2014-15 to 2015-16. Now, I'm talking about this in terms of the most common starting lineup. Obviously, you have different starting lineups, but uh, I'm using the starting lineups that were used the most in those years. So 2014-15 was Marcus Page, J.P. Tokito, Justin Jackson, Bryce Johnson, and Kennedy Meeks. And then in 15-16, the year that really took the jump and made it all the way to the national championship game, it was the same starters other than J.P. Tokito had left early for the draft, and so in came Joel Berry into the starting lineup for 15-16. So you bring back this level of experience in this day and age at at the power five level, at the highest level of D1, I need to, I'll start studying this once, once rosters are a little more set. But it's got to be extremely rare around the country that, again, at the Power 5 level, you're getting this many people back. I mean, this foursome of, excuse me, Love, Davis, Black, and Baycott has started 45 games together. It wasn't just all last year. They started eight games together in 2020-21, most at the beginning of the season, before R.J. Davis uh, went to the bench and Kerwin Walton came into the starting lineup to just give a little bit more of that three-point shooting. But then this past season, out of Carolina's 39 games, these four started 37 of those games together. The only two that differed were the Purdue game where Leaky Black didn't play, and senior night, where um, Ryan McAdoo started, and so Caleb Love came off the bench that night. The other 37 games were these four in either Dawson Garcia or Brady Manick. So, it's just ridiculous what they're bringing back. And so it's experience, but it's not just experience. It's talented experience. And it's not just talented experience, it's program talented experience. And and what do I mean by program talented experience? Well, these guys are experienced. They have extremely strong talent base, 
but also all four of them are homegrown, right? It's like drafting a baseball player and rising him up through the minor leagues and then he becomes one of your own in the majors. That's what Carolina has done here. Armando Baycott, Leaky Black, RJ Davis, Caleb Love. They've been part of the Carolina program their entire U- their entire college career. And in this era of the one-time transfer portal, that's going to be a more and more and more rare thing. But it's huge because, again, think about the experience in this starting four. You're going to have a super senior in Leaky Black. You're going to have a standard senior in Armando Baycott. You're going to have two juniors in Leaky Black, Leaky Black, Caleb Love and RJ Davis. And then who's going to get the crack at that other starting position? Maybe my, my thought is that Puff Johnson will get the first crack at that, just depending on all sorts of factors. But as of today, April, you know, late April, I think that's what's going to happen. So that's another junior. So in this day and age of, of one and done and everything, you're looking at potentially three juniors, a senior, and a super senior in your starting lineup at North Carolina. I can't express enough what a big deal that is. So, uh, we're, we're going to have to see, again, what happens with that fourth spot. Or with the four position, I should say. Obviously, we've got the four spots. I'm just talking about the four position, that stretch for that power forward. Who's it going to be? Now, here's a question. With both guards coming back, does it mean that one of the other guards in the program on the roster transfers? I'm thinking about Kerwin Walton. I'm thinking about... DeMarco Dunn, you know, you've got real talented freshmen coming in, particularly in Seth Trimble, who is a guard. What What is going to happen with all of that? Well, we've got about a, a week to see what's going to happen. We'll, we'll talk more about those deadlines later for the transfer portal. Um, but, but to some degree, I would think Kerwin Walton, DeMarco Dunn, they knew you know, there have been all these conversations going on. Maybe they didn't know that Caleb was coming back. Maybe they didn't know RJ was coming back. But I think all these conversations have been happening since they got back from New Orleans, and they have to have known the deal, right? And so I I don't know anything. I don't have any insider knowledge. But I'm going to say right now that we're not going to lose anybody else, see anybody else go. Some people will be happy about that. Some people will not because... Uh, there's some potential for transfers coming in. There's some potential for Gigi Jackson committing and reclassifying and playing this upcoming season. Um, but here's the thing. If these guys stick around, there there is hopefully more trust earned and gained through the year that's happened and through another offseason. Um, and so maybe Coach Davis is able to utilize a deeper bench this season if he wants to. Again, Last year was his first year. It's a very small sample size. We don't know if that's the way he plans to utilize his personnel every year or if that's just a function of the personnel he had this year. It's hard to say at this point. So um, here's the kicker. Who replaces Brady Manick? We're going to have to talk about that more, and we're going to do so um, in just a minute because we also got to talk about the expectations, our realistic expectations for this four position, our realistic expectations for what the team is going to do. 100, no no doubt, 100%, they're going to win the national championship because they fell just short this year, right? That's what's going to happen. <laughs> Au contraire, mon frere. This is college basketball where anything can happen. So what do I think is realistic expectation-wise? We'll talk about it in just a second after I tell you about BetOnline. BetOnline BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. 
Find this latest developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs ongoing right now and the beginning of the Major League Baseball season. We're a couple weeks in at this point. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, so as we talk about expectations, let's first talk about what's realistic to expect with this uh, stretch forward position. Brady Manick is not on this roster. No one that's exactly like Brady Manick is on this roster, bringing in the amount of career three-pointers he had or what he's able to do or all the experience that he had. That's just not part of the equation right now. Um, Replacing him? I don't think people are appreciating what a huge task this is going to be. Everything that Brady brought to the team on and off the court. Uh, just the levity he brought with kind of the, the goofy, fun Oklahoma boy that he is, right? Um, so please don't underestimate what Brady Manick did and the year that he had. These are huge shoes to fill. But as we look at it, who are the candidates to do that, to step in to the starting lineup with this core four. Well, as I already alluded to, I think Puff Johnson's the one that gets the first shot at it. He does so many things that Coach Davis loves um, that that I think that's where he would look. Although, you know, you think of Johnson more as a three, kind of like like his brother Cam is, or like Leaky Black would do with what he brings. And so um, it, it would be a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> Forgive me, man. That's two terrible dad jokes today. I'm so sorry, everybody. Uh, the next person I, I would think about and look at is Dontrez Styles. He brings an elite level athleticism to things. His three-point shot is not what um, Brady Mannix is by any stretch of the imagination or Puff's. I think Puff is a better three-point shooter. Obviously, Dontrez hit a huge three last year against Baylor, but it was just one of a couple the entire season. It, it's a different skill set. However, also... When you think about Dontrez Styles, he does bring something that Manic doesn't, which is elite level athleticism that can get anywhere on the court and get above the rim. Keep in mind, Armando Bacot is more of a below the rim player. And so there, there's just a, a unique nuance that Styles would bring to that role as well. Um, somebody I'd, I want to make sure we're not sleeping on is a freshman coming in, and that's Jalen Washington. Um, I've obviously watched highlights of him, but haven't seen him play in real time, play with these college athletes or anything like that. But from everything I've seen and everything I've read and heard, he has the skill set to be a stretch four, has a great touch on his shot, can step out and hit it with some consistency, and obviously has the the length and size and frame to be a stretch four. And so the big question with Jalen Washington, though, is health. Is is he going to be ready to go? The second big question is how does he translate to the college game, transition, I should say, to the college game. Not Some people do it really well. Some people take some time to get used to it. And so there's with the freshman coming in, yes, I, I know there's going to be people out there that say, you're sleeping on Jalen Washington. Jalen Washington's the stretch for He's going to come in and do it. He's got to come in and prove it, right? Like, I hope he does, and I hope it's phenomenal. But I'm not going to rely on a freshman to come in and fill that level of a role with this type of team with this much experience. Um, And then uh, two other places we look at is, keep in mind right now, I've been saying it, but I'll say it again. 
all 13 scholarships are accounted for. So what does that mean? There's no place for a transfer to come in. There's no room for Gigi Jackson to both commit and reclassify. Um, we do know now, since we last talked together on Friday, that Gigi Jackson said he will um, announce his commitment at some point this week. I think, if you're asking me, I think he was waiting to hear what Caleb Love was going to do. And then um, that gives him a better idea of, hey, I'm going to commit, but I'm going to stay in the class of 2023 and come the next year, which, whew, would be awesome because a lot of these guys will be stepping out and um, he could step in. The problem is, if he could come this year, he is a prime candidate to slide into that four role. He's He's got the size, he's got the body, um, can do a lot of the things, can step out and hit the shot, um, elite level athleticism, all of that, and, and could be huge if need be. Um, and then obviously, if somebody transfers out, there's also the possibility of bringing in a transfer to fill that four role. Now, before we get out of here today, I want to talk uh, more about expectations. We just talked about the expectations for the four role. Now, I want to talk about expectations for the team. We have to be real. We have to be honest. We must temper our expectations. Why? Because you can say championship or bust. If, if Carolina doesn't win the national championship this year, it's a disgrace and they've let the team down and Hubert Davis is a terrible, you know, like I've seen all of that on social media already today after Caleb Love announced he was coming back. Championship or bust. This team is terrible if they can't win the national championship. Here's the thing. The NCAA tournament is a wild freak show where anything could happen from illness to injury to, yeah, I mean, you got to win six games in a row in a one-off format against six different teams, six different styles of play. Uh, there's just so many variables at play that it is not just always like the best team rarely is the one standing there on the last Monday night with confetti falling around them while one shining moment plays. Now, here's the problem for Carolina fans is we're so used to, hey, it worked from 08 to 09. It worked from 16 to 17. Why can't it work again, right? 08, uh, you had that devastating loss in the Final Four to Kansas and then came back the next year. All those guys committed to staying and just was clearly the best team in the nation all year in one going away. 16 to 17, you lose the, on the Chris Jenkins shot and then come back and, and redeem it in 17. That wasn't, you know, it was not the 09 team, right? They were not a dominant team throughout that year, but it happened. Uh, I think about the Florida team that won back-to-back -back national championships. They came back and didn't have a great regular season. I think part of that was they were just like, eh, we're just biding our time until March. And so um, there is nothing guaranteed or nothing written or nothing certain that says Carolina will get back to the levels of what they did last year. Now, we're going to unpack some of that tomorrow uh, on, on Tuesday's show about why uh, there's some good chances that they will. However, just, just keep in mind, again, how stinking difficult it is in the NCAA tournament. And not to mention... There's going to be a huge target on Carolina's back coming into the season because of everything they did last year, because of all these guys coming back, because of the public nature of it. Uh, it just is what it is. And again, hear me say, losing Brady Manick is a huge deal. Huge. Gargantuan. Just It changes things with spacing and how you play. All of that. So just please temper expectations 
NCAA basketball is, yes, it's you want to win a championship every year. But it's the kind of thing where it's like, man, making the Final Four is unbelievably incredible. To make it out of 350-something teams, to be one of the last four teams standing, is is insane. So, here here is the expectation that I want to set as of right now, late April. Let's look towards the Elite Eight. Why do I say that? Well, it used to be like a gimme that you're going to get to the second round, even to the second weekend, just because teams that are top three, four seeds are just that much better. That's just not the case anymore in college basketball. There's so much more parity. So making it to the second weekend is a huge accomplishment. Make no mistake about it. And then I would say that that winning that Sweet 16 game and getting to the Elite Eight is, is unbelievable. Great job. And so I want to set that as the baseline. I don't want to set the Final Four or the National Championship as the baseline. That is the like, that is the cherry on top, the 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 cool whip, all that good stuff, the icing on the cake. I want to look to making it to the second weekend, winning that first game. I think it's elite eight or bust is is where I'm at. And this is again assuming there's no major injuries, that the the all four of these guys come back, they're able to really settle in with the the freshman and, and somebody at the four position and all that. But I'm setting the elite eight is what it's going to be as a baseline for me. Will they make it that far? Who knows? Should they make it that far? Yes. <laughs> right? Based on everything they have, based on what's coming back, based on expectations and all that. So, Elite Eight or Bust for Nathan Isaac Shade. That's what we're looking at. Okay? Man, thank you guys for coming back. It's a new week. It's a great week. So many good things are happening. But this is the end of today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Please go subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me at Isaac Shade, I-S-A-A-C-S-C-H-A-D-E. Coming up this week, uh, is Carolina 2023 UCLA 2022? Hmm. We're going to unpack that tomorrow with a new friend of the show, a special guest coming on to join us later this week, an interview with women's lacrosse player and all-around stud Jamie Ortega. Can't wait for that. And of course, coming up later in the week, we got to talk about Sam Howe and some of these other guys that are going to get hopefully drafted. Man, it's a huge week. It, it might seem like it's the offseason, but it's not. All sorts of great stuff happening in Carolina athletics. Because you know what? It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. And speaking of, now that you've made Locked on Tar Heels your first listen today, let me encourage you to make Locked on NFL Draft your second listen. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available everywhere you get podcasts. All right. Thanks again for tuning in for a new week. Being Monday. It's awesome. Can't wait for tomorrow. Tuesday, we got another great show coming up. I already told you where we're headed with it. And you know what? Until then, peace.